Bye-bye, Johnny Manziel edition. My name's Oz Davis, so I'll be your co-host for the show. And joining me, as always, is my traditional co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going there in Wisconsin? Uh, well, besides the fact that it's been snowing for <laughs> stop since mid-January, uh, I am happy, though, that we can go ahead and put this Johnny Manziel saga to bed and be done with it. Right, yeah, unless you unless you follow the XFL. Uh, it's funny, whenever you ask somebody from certain parts of this country right now how you're doing, it turns into the weather report. <laughs> Joining us, and it was probably even colder than Joe Pritchard, is a recurring guest to this show, probably a five-time club member, as we discussed on the last episode of this show, of the Canadian Football Podcast Network's Podski Wee Wee, dedicated to the Hamilton Tiger Cats, it's Josh Smith. Josh, how are you doing, and how cold are you up there in Hamilton? Uh, it's not that cold, I don't okay. think. I think Joe's probably colder than I am. Wow. We we just got snow. Like, it it really started coming down today, so much so that they closed schools here. Oh, wow. I don't think it was that much snow, to be honest with you, but it's 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 quite a bit, but... Yeah, I don't know. The weather's been okay. We had some cold snaps, but I, I think I'm going to give Joe the title of, of co-host this week. <laughs> At least for this week, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow, my kids would kill for a snow day right about now, I think. <laughs> uh, they have never experienced this concept. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Well, let's talk some Canadian football. As Joe uh, remarked to me before the show began, it's a good thing we have nothing to talk about today. However, before we talk about the more current news, I'd like to talk about the very exciting news of earlier this week, I believe. Uh, the CFL announced the locations of the next two Grey Cups uh, in 2020. They'll be playing it in Regina, naturally, in that spiffy new stadium they have up there for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. But in 2021, and more important for our purposes, Josh Smith's Hamilton will be hosting the big game. And you'll and your Hamilton Tiger Cats will probably be playing it that year, too. Uh, I know... <laughs> well, I mean, not that I want to jinx it or anything, but we might actually have a team by then in Montreal. Uh, in any case, uh, I I know that you covered this on your podcast this week, Podski Wee Wee, and I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, could could you comment a little bit on this? What does this mean to Hamilton? How stoked are you, etc.? I am very, very happy. There was a lot of... This is kind of what we touched on on the show, Mike and I, this week. There's a lot of negativity in the lead-up to and sometime a little bit in the aftermath of it regarding Hamilton and what Hamilton is and isn't. And I don't want to get into that because I think it's redundant and ridiculous. I'm just super happy that this city is finally going to get a chance. By the time the Grey Cup's here in 2021, it'll be 25 years since wow. the Grey Cup was here. 
this will, it'll be the second time the great couple have oh, the third time the great cup great couple have been here in 49 years hmm. it's 72 96 and then 2021 i'm hoping and praying that this is not a trend we're not going to wait another 20 something years for the next one but i'm just i'm really excited less so even for myself and more so for the city this city has undergone a renaissance of sorts over the last few years, and there's a lot of misconceptions and outright falsehoods about what Hamilton is as a city now. People look at it. Uh, Pittsburgh's probably the best American parallel to hmm. what Hamilton used to be. Steel City, blue-collar town, and it, it's still in a lot of ways that as well, but it has grown so much. There's a revitaliz- revitalization in downtown Hamilton that if you did ask me as a lifelong Hamilton resident – whether I'd ever think that downtown Hamilton could be sort of built up into something that people – as a place that people would want to go, I would have called you crazy. But <laughs> it's the, – the restaurant scene here has exploded. Mm. Uh, the culture scene, the art scene. Hamilton is a city now that is unlike what it was 25 years ago when the Grey Cup was last here. So I'm most excited to have the entire Canadian football world descend upon my city <laughs> And I get to show them what this city is all about. Joe's been to Hamilton briefly for a game a few years ago. I believe we've touched on that what happened at that game uh, a few years ago. But so he knows what like that Hamilton, which was again. I don't. I don't believe he saw much of the city, but that was sort of the start. I think I spent all of like six hours in the city, literally <laughs> off the QEW to the stadium. Saw the game and got right back out to Niagara Falls because uh, Hamilton wasn't high in my wife's uh, itinerary for that trip. <laughs> Not that I can blame her because no. we made the trip about Niagara Falls. But <laughs> it was like, no, nah, we're going to go back to the place that's pretty over there. <laughs> no, for sure. And I, and I totally get that, too. Like, if you ask almost anyone, where would you rather vacation, Hamilton or Niagara Falls, 100 <laughs> times out of 100, they're going to say Niagara Falls. So I can't wait because I know, Joe, you're, you're a Grey Cup guy. You're going to be at the Grey Cup in Hamilton. Obviously, I live here, so I'm going to be at it. I can't wait to show people like you around the city and, and show you what Hamilton has to offer because I, I'm here in 2021 to dispel the notions of what Hamilton used to be and show people what Hamilton is. And, and I legitimately just cannot wait. How do you think – okay, I know it's you know like two years ahead of time or whatever, but how do you think that you can exploit um, specifically in Hamilton what the Grey Cup week weekend has become? You know what I'm saying? There's all these things with – the podcast hosts and and um, the teams are holding stuff. There's parties, whatnot. Um, I've heard some gray cups are really spread out and inconvenient. Others are nice and compact. Others are high on resources. Others are low. How do you think Hamilton will fare in this sort of area? I, well, I'm trying to think about the layout of the city. I imagine a lot of the events will probably be held... I would guess the convention center, which is right downtown. Mm-hmm. There's a hotel across the street. It's right near the, the hockey arena where the Hamilton Bulldogs play, the uh, the CHL team, the OHL team, I should say. So, like, I feel like that's probably where things will take place. And then the stadium's probably about, you know, a 10-minute drive from there. So on game day, it's, it's not too far. Um, I, I really do think, and I think the – 
what what a lot of people in sort of the lead up to this announcement, like everyone was like, it's got to be 2020, it's got to be 2020. And I was one of those people I really wanted it here in 2020 just because it's been so long. I guess I didn't want to wait. But then the more I thought about it, the more I I really said, okay, if they're going to wait a year and they're going to get to go to Regina and they're going to see how that community puts on a great cup. And I know everyone says, oh, Regina's going to be a great host. And I, and I agree. I think they will be. But at the same time, a lot of people are comparing, well, look what they did in 2013. Okay, 2013, the Riders were in the Grey Cup. What happens if that Grey Cup in 2020 is, say, Montreal and Edmonton? Like, will that Grey Cup be as successful as 2013 was? I guess we're going to find out. Now, maybe the Riders make it there, and this is all a moot point, but who knows? But I think that's the Regina community is the smallest one in the CFL, and then Hamilton is the second smallest. So they're going to send a contingent out there, I would imagine, to kind of see how it's done. And I'm sure they did it in Edmonton, and I'm sure they're going to do it in Calgary as well. Mm-hmm. See how it's done is kind of a smaller location, and then try to find out how they can take things from that. And I think when you, you add the extra year, and the the, the, the team that, that, that the Ticats have with Bob Young as, as the owner and Scott Mitchell and Matt Afinak as the team president. These are really smart guys. These are guys who they went into this knowing what they needed to do, and I think they're going to do their best. They're going to do their homework, and I I just can't see any way in which this whole thing is going to fail. The resources are going to be here. I think Hamiltonians in general are going to come out in droves as either volunteers to help out or yeah. or like myself who just I, – I literally plan on being completely available to anyone – who comes to my city, if they're like, hey, man, I need a place to eat, I will direct you to wherever you need to go. Hey, man, I need something to do, I will do my best to be available to anyone who wants to be entertained in the city for a few days. I will be there to help out. And I think that that spirit, the one that I'm talking about right now, will also be what other Hamiltonians will bring to the table. I, I One of the reasons I'm most excited, like I said before, is to, is to showcase the city. And I think you're going to see that from the official events that the the team and, and the league are going to put on to fan-run events that I know are going to take place to stuff that might come up in the interim uh, from other fans who maybe right now don't know what they're going to do and then they come up with something. I just think this is going to be a massive success, and I think that waiting the extra year I think gives this just that much better a chance to be, here's Hamilton, here's the showcase, now let's bring it back here more often. Wow. Um I, I guess I just have one question on this, uh, Josh. Are you going to, uh, when you talk about playing your part, are you going to do this as an app or as an Alexa-like device? <laughs> hey, Josh, where can I eat in Hamilton? <laughs> I, I, you know what? I got a phone. I got Twitter. Everyone knows where to find Yeah, me. actually, yeah, it'll be Twitter. It'll I'll be put Twitter. The notifications on. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Right. All right. So it'll be a test of your resources, too. All right. Um, okay. Just just one more question on this. we got to move on to the regular news. But how was the news taken? I mean, are people excited? Was it big news in Hamilton? Yeah, it was. It, yeah. I was at work. I was on my way home from work, actually, as the announcement was made. Okay. And all day at work, I had people coming up to me going, okay, what's, what's going on tonight? Hmm? And these are... Some wow. of which are actual CFL fans. Uh, there are a bunch of people that I work with that that do watch the CFL quite uh, vigorously. There are others that are, you know, tangential fans, and there are some that don't give a crap about football at all, but they hear, oh, the Grey Cup's going to be, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it was just, okay, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? And it was like, look, there's, they've got a party down at the stadium. 
you got to think that something positive is going to be announced. There's no way the league would let that happen. So when I had people coming up to me who don't normally talk to me about football, and, and I am at work known as, because of my work with Three Down, because of the podcast, mm-hmm. I'm known as the Ticats guy. So people come up to you when any Ticats news breaks or any CFL news breaks, they'll come and talk to me. It happened today with, I'm sure, a story we're going to talk about in a little yeah. bit. So when that sort of thing happens, when people who I know aren't genuinely genuinely interested in the CFL are asking me what I think about the Grey Cup coming here, I think it struck a chord with the people in the city. Okay. All right. Yeah, let's talk about that other story (laughs) that everybody was talking to you about today uh, involving (laughs) what was arguably the biggest name in the CFL, if not the best by a long shot. Johnny Manziel. I just want to say, you know, this this may be a bit belated, Josh, but to the fans of Hamilton, from the fans <laughs> of the Montreal Alouettes, I just want to say thank you very little for the Johnny Manziel experience. And thanks for taking a bunch of draft picks for, I think, like five touchdowns um, <laughs> and a concussion and uh, a lot of odd stuff on the sidelines. Johnny Manziel has, in fact, been released. It was funny. You know, I was looking just a few hours before the show. I was just going to catch up. I'm like, nah, nothing happened today. Well, might as well check anyway. Sure enough, uh, this breaking (laughs) Johnny Manziel released by Montreal. Here's the quote in part uh, from general manager Cavis Reed. We are disappointed by this turn of events. Johnny was provided a great deal of support by our organization in collaboration with the CFL, but he has been unable to abide by the terms of his agreement. We worked with the league and presented alternatives to Johnny, who was unwilling to proceed. This guy just really doesn't want to play football, I think. Um, what's the perception, Josh? Uh if we're talking about Johnny football, honestly, I think he did this to get out of his contract because I think he's got to deal with another football league. I think this is – Okay. I, I, I do. I think either the AAF or the XFL uh, – w- and with the XFL, from what I've been reading, are about ready to announce some of like a first wave of player signings. Mm. Manziel w- talked last year about he didn't want to wait another year to play football, so he got a chance to play some football. Okay. He didn't play particularly well. But now he gets a chance to go back down to the U.S. I, I do, I do wonder. Like you said, you don't think he wants to play football anymore. I do wonder if that's the case. Like, it feels like he's doing everything in his power to blow this. Yeah. In a sense, like, it just it feels like really strange. Like it, it just like he does that that podcast that he does, and it like just came out on there that he was talking about the AAF and the XFL or something along those lines, and then. Today he's released. It just with this guy, it's always something different. Like it's always what you see at face value is not exactly what you can take. And this just feels to me like there's something going on beneath the scenes. And if he's announced as like he's the the main star of the first wave of XFL signings, or if he signs with an AAF team, like at this point it wouldn't shock me at anything that this guy does. Well, the AAF can't afford the dude. <laughs> they can't. They can't. They can't. They can't afford the three of us. Right. I mean. I mean. You know. Even. I mean. People laughed when Colin Kaepernick asked for like whatever it was, twenty million or twelve million or whatever it was, some obviously outrageous amount. But the truth is, I mean, if you want a guy like that, that's how much you have to pay. Now, now Manziel's ego is big enough, and I think he's aware enough of his name that 
he could ask for a lot of money, and I don't think the AAF could pay for him. I mean, they just got bailed out, right? They just, you know, got a gift of a quarter billion dollars. I love this from the owner of the Hurricanes, right? I think it was the uh, Carolina Hurricanes just bailed out the AAF. Yep, so. Yeah, so I don't think that Johnny's going to play there. But you know what? I was thinking that today when I read this story. I was like, hmm, this smells like Vince McMahon territory. Yes, it does. <laughs> this, is, this has Vince McMahon written all over it. And I know, and people said this online, oh, what he said, people with criminal records won't be able to play in the XFL. Come on. This is Vincent <laughs> Kennedy McMahon. Yeah. This guy t- takes money from the Saudi Arabian government to hold wrestling shows over there. It's basically propaganda shows. You're telling me he doesn't see Johnny Manziel and go, oh, I can slap his name on the back of a jersey. and yeah. Come on. Vince is- but, but it would be it great, right? Because it'll be the thing where you can have whatever you want on the back of your jersey. So on the back of his jersey, it'll be like football. It might say football. Yeah, football be- too, right? J football. Yeah, <laughs> Two. It's like it reminds me of Fred Stamps. I remember when Fred Stamps played for the for Edmonton, and I was always like, okay. "Man, if he ever signed in Calgary, and he was like Stamps too, oh like, you man, could get that jersey and then never have to worry about not wearing it." Right. I I found that weird. That was in the like the dark ages down here where we barely ever got anything. But I saw that, and I'm like, he's clearly on the wrong team. Yeah, right. <laughs> in the right province, the wrong area. Well, well, it's like how the the Patriots had a running back there for a couple of years named Patrick Pass. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oops, wrong name, wrong name. Uh, okay, well, let's move on from the Alouettes because I don't really want to talk about their quarterback future. It's pretty funny, Marshall Ferguson, who I think the uh, official website CFL.ca has chained to a desk over there. Because he's writing, he's writing about everything nowadays. Uh, he had a piece today, which I couldn't tell whether to laugh or cry about, entitled "Pipkin Could Be the Answer in Montreal." Well, I don't, I, you know, I, I I looked at his stats and oh my god, this is sad. Uh, last season, three touchdowns against eight interceptions and a 59.5% completion percentage. Now, among 14 quarterbacks with over 100 attempts, how do you think that ranked, guys? Couldn't have been good. Fourteenth, uh, in fact, uh, <laughs> he did worse than a few guys who had like sixty or seventy attempts. So uh, I don't know if that's the answer. I don't know what the question is. Uh, <laughs> you know, how bad will the Alouettes be in twenty nineteen? Oh, this is so depressing. All right. Well, let... I do have a couple points I want to bring up. On oh, go for it, Joe. The... Oh, go, please. First of all, uh, could there was fake news out about the Manziel release. Yes, uh, I saw something named, about this. Named, what was that? A fellow going by the Twitter handle of Richard Tater was <laughs> saying that he was on the phone with Manziel and Manziel was saying this, that, and the other thing. And a few places ran with it. I won't name names as far as which places ran with it. And a lot of people got involved with it. But I would say if you got a guy, if you got a guy that's nickname twitter name could be shortened to dictator or maybe oliver close off maybe they're not a legitimate source <laughs> oliver close off that was the other name oh no, my no, god no. That, that one was more just me being humorous oh okay that's great that's i want to i want that twitter name 
you could break CFL news. Up. I'm going to be the first reporter of fake AAF news. There you <laughs> go. Johnny Manziel. Uh, but hurry up. You might not have a lot of time left. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll get out five tweets before the league folds. Yeah. <laughs> Just the, a... sec- the second thing, though, is he was re- released based off of the league telling Montreal to release him because he was not following the terms of this secret right. agreement. Right. I have to say the whole this whole time, the secret agreement thing bugged the heck out of me. Same here. Because I don't I, – I actually feel like the league was trying to do as best as they could given the way that they have been treating players with criminal records. Mm. They, but they did the best they could to bring in this um, box office sensation for a year <laughs> and still show that they had some sort of – you know integrity behind that policy i i and when they set up the secret protocol it's obviously they don't want to embarrass johnny they don't they don't want to make it clear all the things he has to do but at the same time not being transparent about it and what was happening makes you wonder at least trying to find a way to say this um clearly since they're not transparent there's at least the potential of something going on behind closed doors that we probably should know about, but they're never going to tell us. Hmm. Hmm. Is that what bugs you about it too, Josh? What bugs me about it is the league wants to be open and honest about everything. Mm -hmm. And this was something, it almost amounts to somewhat of a side deal. And I'm with you, Joe, in that, the league has taken steps to guys like Justin Cox, guys like Jerome Messam. The second there's any impropriety, boom, you're gone. You're not coming back. And the league won't register a contract for Justin Cox. The league won't register a contract for Jerome Messam until like they will. Justin Cox will never play professional football again. Jerome Messam, that's kind of gone quietly gone away. So we don't really know what's going on there. But at the same time, he's not allowed to play professional football anymore. The same, the league said the same thing about Johnny Manziel. So now you're going, and th- this is where we get into speculation and conjecture. What vi- what did he violate? What protocol did he violate? What did he not do that he was supposed to do? Did he fail to show up for, uh, a, like a, a meeting for substance abuse? Did he fail to contact the commissioner in a timely manner? Did he get arrested for, like, we don't know what exactly precipitated this because we don't know what parameters he had to follow in order to still play in the league. So it's, it's like the league kind of want, like you said, Joe, they want kind of want their, their cake and eat it too. They want to look like they're being tough and they're being forward thinking and, and they're being inclusive and all that sorts of stuff. And at the same time, they wanted the attention that Johnny Manziel brought and they did everything they could to bring him to the league. And now he's out of it. And, we don't know why, and I, the idea of the league stepping in this is this harkens back to a, a really dark time in the CFL when the league was kind of this like shadow government that would manipulate <laughs> things. Like, and you you can ask people in Toronto about this. Doug Flutie going to the Argos was apparently completely manipulated by the CFL to get Doug Flutie out of Calgary and into Toronto to boost up the Argos so that they could make more money that they could, so they could be relevant so that fans would come to the games, yada, yada, yada. The same stuff we've been, we hear about Toronto now has been going on for decades. 
that's that's a, a very widely held belief that that is exactly what happened. And this harkens mm-hmm. back to that. And I don't think we want the league making these types of decisions. At the same time, if there was a set pr- a procedure for Manziel to follow to stay in the league, that's perfectly fine. The lack of transparency about it, though, makes us all sit here and go, well, what the hell did he do to get booted out of the league? Do you think the well, trade? So- do you think the trade was pushed along by the league? Uh, I mean, in hindsight, maybe. I think you don't get viewers on TV watching Johnny Manziel pick his nose on the sidelines at Tim Hortons Field while Jeremiah Mazzoli's out there throwing for 300 yards a week. Like, I'm, I don't, I won't go so far as to say that the league forced the deal. But it would not surprise me at all if one day it came out that, hey, they had a conversation and maybe this would be in the best interest of the league. If You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to talk too neg- – I, I feel like the CFL has taken so many steps forward in the last 20 years to get away from that reputation. That And this is still something I hear from, like, casual fans. Like, oh, this this is happening, and it happened with the Manziel trade. Oh, the league must have forced Manziel to get traded. Mm. I, 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 in my heart of hearts, I don't want to believe that. But then you hear stuff like this and, there, and like, you know, behind-the-scenes maneuverings. It just – it leaves a really bad taste in my mouth is all. Mm-hmm. And you're hitting on the exact – point I, I was trying to make clear and i'm failing to find the words to say but <laughs> just the fact that we can sit here and wildly speculate on things like that even knowing it's speculation is something that could be squashed by having this be more open i almost wonder if this was a case where the espn contract was coming up and they were looking for more money mm. to renew Manstel's going to bring more ratings. Then you have they to... they schedule a lot of games with him in it on yeah, ESPN and, and I too. don't want to I don't want to I don't want to think this way about the league. Hmm. Yep, but just here. the fact that that was coming up, and it sounds like they got a pretty good deal off their off their next TV deal with ESPN. I don't want to think this way about the league, but hmm. it, they're giving me no choice by not being transparent. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. Well, gee, I didn't think that much of it. In fact, I thought if this were just a disciplinary thing, like don't get wasted at some party and start, you know, tweeting pictures or get Instagrammed. You know, I thought it was that kind of stuff. But gee, now you guys are putting doubts in my head. Damn you. I was I was I was also thinking that if this thing was purely a uh, disciplined thing. Right. If this is purely like, don't make the league look bad. Why doesn't every league have this with every player? <laughs> you know, seriously. I mean, geez, the NFL should have this. Right. Don't don't screw up. If you screw up, we're not going to offer you a contract. I mean, every thing, player should have this. You know? The thing that stands out to me, though, isn't that they said, OK, he's got to go. It's he's got to go and you're not allowed back. The you're not. Allowed yes. Back yes. Thing has, yes. That is like that's the poison pill. That's mm-hmm. the that's the trump card of you've done something so egregious that you would bring such ill repute onto the league that we do not want you here. Mm-hmm. That is the domestic violence stuff. That's that's the top of the top. Like we see there are guys in the CFL, great players, players that we've all cheered for who have made there's a look, American players 
don't come to the CFL because they want to play Canadian football. They come here because either they didn't have a chance to play in the National Football League or because they had a chance and they blew it. Or there, There's a number of reasons, but no American player's dream is to play in Canada. So if you're telling me that, that, that this guy who you brought up here, now you're saying, no, 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 he's got to go – it only can lead to the wildest of speculation of, okay, he must have done something so bad that they don't even want him. What could that be? And if they would just come out and say, here's the, here's what we had set forth with him and here's what he did, it could be something so innocuous. But if it was set forth and therefore he knew what he had to do and just decided not to do it, well, then it's okay. He's just a dink. But right now it's like, <laughs> what do we think? Do we can think the worst. And I, like that's not fair to the league. That's not fair to Johnny Manziel. What – like – no matter what you think of him, this is a guy who, for the most part, has seemingly tried to get his life back on track, and now he has this roadblock, and now we can think from one end of the spectrum to the other about what the heck he did, and now maybe his reputation gets dimmed. Now, I know he's done a lot of damage to his reputation on his own, but if, he's re- if he is actually trying to make his life better, wouldn't it behoove the league, or, or even just to behoove one of their former players to... Give us give us uh, some indication of what the heck he did that says not only can you not play this year, you're never welcome back. Like that's that's pretty heavy. Unless they're all. And the uh, thing when the league when the league brought him in too, it was you're on strike two already. Don't mm-hmm. screw it yeah. up. But then why are you bringing in a player that's already on strike two? If he wasn't who he was, would he have even gotten that one chance? Yeah, probably not because he like and there there are players I remember I can't remember who it was but there was a receiver for the Argos a few years back he was suspended in the NFL for I want to say performance enhancing drugs he was released he came up here played for the Argos for like maybe a year or so and then I, can't, I wish I could remember his name but it, it I, I just can't but he wasn't Johnny Manziel so they gave him a shot for for whatever he, Chris Rainey is a guy look into Chris Rainey's past. And you'll, you'll see some things that are less than good. Things that, if a more widely known player did, probably gets Chris Rainey booted from the CFL. But he's turned his life around, and we don't hear those things about him anymore, so good for him. But yeah, Johnny Manziel brought eyeballs. And like just like we talked about Vince McMahon bringing him in, the CFL brought him in because people are going to watch. It's, it's just that simple. And if his name wasn't Johnny Manziel, does he, does he get this chance? And if his name's not Johnny Manziel and he gets his chance anyway, do we hear about this? Do, do they set this sort of you have to go through this hoop and that hoop and so on and so forth? Probably not. The whole thing could just be a setup so that he turns into like a heel for the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> screw Canada! You know, he's like the screw Canada guy or whatever. That, that's his role. Uh, okay, well, let's go on uh, because I don't have – too much more time to do this. Once again, I have to play the housewife tonight. But uh, let's talk about this one. Uh, you've done a few pieces over there, Three Down Nation, about free agency period, like most of us who are writing about the CFL. Uh, how do you assess the Tiger Cats offseason in general, or free agency season, I should say? And uh, what about the Toronto Argonauts? Well, the Ticats, I've liked what the Ticats have done because okay. – I think that they were a few tweaks away. Yes, I understand, and, I'm, and I hear this all the time. They were 8-10, and 10, and they got blown out in the East Final. They shouldn't have hosted a playoff game, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, that's... You're hearing that from Edmonton, right? <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you know what? Not 
really, because oh, a lot okay. of the Edmonton fans that I talked to, it was like they were the ones who were going, well, you know, they finished 8-10 and 10, and Edmonton finished 9-9, nine and nine, but Hamilton had nothing to play for in the last week. And if they had something to play for, maybe they finished 9-9. Nine yeah. and, and if they do, they get in over Edmonton even if they have the same record. It was just, you know what, I get it. When a team finishes under 500 and they host a playoff game, sometimes, you know, people can get a little upset about that. I get it. I'm not here to debate the playoff format. That's something that's above our pay grade. But <laughs> in Hamilton, there were there, there were a few tweaks away, I think, from, from winning more games and being thought of as a much better football team. Their, their, their biggest obstacle all year was Ottawa, quite frankly. And mm. independent of what Hamilton did, Ottawa got gutted. Absolutely gutted. You yes. lose your quarterback, yes. you lose your running back, you lose your best receiver, you lose your offensive tackle, and you lose your second best receiver. And people keep forgetting this. Deontay Spencer left too. He's in Pittsburgh. Yep. That's five of your six most important players on offense and probably mm-hmm. five of their six best players with the exception of the one guy that's still there in Brad Sinopoli. That also the Red Blacks go from, in my estimation, the favorites in the East to are they going to finish in fourth place? Like you have no idea what you have at quarterback. That is the number, like the, the main question in Montreal is before Manziel was cut and now after, who's going to play quarterback? The question in Ottawa now is who's going to play quarterback? You look at the Ticats, we know who they have at quarterback. Then around him, what do you do? You bring back Brandon Banks. You bring back Mike Jones. You bring back Jalen Saunders. You bring back Alex Green. On defense, you add to Garrett Davis. You add Tunde Adelike. You repatriate Rico Murray, who has stayed healthy in his two years away from Hamilton and been in two consecutive Grey Cups, winning one with the Argos. I look at what Hamilton's done in adding pieces to what I think is already a solid foundation, and I am very, very happy with what they did. I think Jared Davis is going to be a monster on the on the end of that defensive line, and I think a guy like Tunde Adelike is a, one of those unheralded signings yes. where you get a guy who is versatile, and that's a big thing about Hamilton. If you look at Hamilton, good signing. Paul, very, very versatile Davis is a pass rusher, but mm-hmm. he can also play. He can also play in coverage. Played linebacker in college. Adelike can play some safety, can play some Sam linebacker, and gives you a speed demon in the return game. Same with Rico Murray, can play multiple positions in the secondary, can play Sam linebacker, contributes on special teams. That is what the core of Hamilton's philosophy has been since Ken Austin took over in 2013. Guys who can do multiple things. Orlando Steinhauer learned under Ken Austin as defensive coordinator. He is now the head coach. He looks like he is preaching that to his team. Same guys. We're going to bring in guys who can play multiple positions so we can do multiple things. And I look, it's not a star-studded hall, maybe with the exception of Davis. I really, really liked what the Ticats did in free agency. Mm-hmm. I just want to correct something really quick. The Alouettes do know who we have at quarterback, man. Antonio Pipkin is the answer. I like Antonio Pipkin. <laughs> yeah, well, not that much. Give him some weapons, which I think and, – and here's the thing I'll say about the Owls. I liked what they did in free agency as well. Really? I, wow. I do. I like Taylor Loeffler. You go and get Yeah, okay. Canadian. I like Loeffler. Yeah. That is a good yep. get. Yes. Uh, Devere Posey, I, I hope you're not – he's not being relied on as a number one receiver, but <laughs> I think he's a darn good number two. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very good complementary piece. I don't know if he can be your go-to guy. But, the, you know, uh, they went out and got Jeremiah Johnson, who I know they have William Stanback in Montreal. But Jeremiah Johnson is one of those yeah. guys I think is supremely underrated. The Owls didn't do anything colossally stupid. No, that's which, is, which is a win. 
Exactly. Yes. And, and they watched as, as Ottawa crumbled around them. So now you're mm-hmm. going, okay, if we can get this quarterback situation settled, if we can get seven, eight wins, we can maybe make the playoffs. And you asked about the Argos. I actually like a lot. If, if James Franklin is who we think he is, if he's the, the next coming, and Jim Pop said in an interview up here, everyone's like, oh, we lost out on Bo and all the other quarterbacks. Yada, yada, yada. He goes, a year ago, James Franklin was that guy. James yes. Franklin was the heir apparent, and we got him. Mm-hmm. If he becomes under Corey Chamblin and with a new, without Mark Trestman around, essentially, if Franklin can be that player we saw glimpses of in Edmonton, the Argos have surrounded him. They, they still have a lot of talent at receiver. Uh, they added Darrell Walker, who is, if he's not your number one best receiver in the CFL, he's in the conversation as the best receiver in the CFL. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I just really like what Toronto – I think the biggest thing Toronto did – as much as I like Mark Tressman was get rid of Mark Tressman because I think <laughs> the way he coaches football is not the way you can coach football now. And I think Tressman with a mm. veteran team, we saw it in 2017, right? He had a veteran-laden team and a veteran quarterback in Ricky Ray, and he won a Grey Cup. We saw in Montreal when he had a veteran quarterback and a veteran team, he could win. Mm-hmm. He's not exactly a guy that grooms young talent. You have a guy like Corey Chamblin, a younger guy, has had success in this league, gets his second chance to be a head coach. I don't know. I think the Argos could be one of those teams, one of those worst, maybe not worst to first, but they're going to be a playoff contender, I think. And do you think Cha- uh, Chamberlain does a little bit better in a market that's not as intense day in and day out? Yeah, I think so. And he's also familiar with Southern Ontario. He's the Hamilton's defensive coordinator in, I believe it was 2011. Yeah, it was Marcel Belfay's last year. Yeah, so he was the... D.C. and Hamilton in 2011, so he knows the area. He understands maybe some of the intricate – and he was D.C. and Toronto the year they won the Grey Cup, so he knows that as well. So, yeah, I think outside of that intense fishbowl that is Regina, I think he could flourish. And I've been a a Champlain doubter for for a very long time. Uh, I wasn't high on him when he was D.C. and Hamilton. I know he won a Grey Cup in Saskatchewan. I still didn't think that much of him. They they went on and – brought in every veteran they could to win that great cup and, and good on them. They did it. Well, Not yeah. Anything away from them. See, see, this is what I was going to say is that I don't know, to be honest about the pressure in Saskatchewan or whatever, but I think Chamber- Chamberlain's and Chamberlain Chamberlain's main problem in Saskatchewan was that he mortgaged the future and every single Canadian on his teams was terrible. I mean, he 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 totally destroyed that team's roster. I think well, that's what happened. Well, that was that was Brandon yeah. Well, Okay, okay, fair yes. enough. Fair enough. Believe me, I'm fair well enough. aware of his. But team. I thought, but to, in my opinion, that was the problem. Now, now again, okay, I can't put that on Chamberlain. Fine, but I I don't think it was the pressure at all. I think it was just that you know that roster fell apart. It was a house of cards. Yes, that you roster know? did fall apart. They built them up. To win the Grey Cup. One championship. Right, right. You're right. They mortgaged the future to do that. And then when he had to develop players, I think he used, well, we won a Grey Cup, so I'm like, I'm a godlike figure here. And (laughs) I think think his ego was his undoing. And I think being out of the spotlight, I think he was humbled. I really Mm do. I think, look, he can coach football. He was in Calgary for a number of years as defensive backs coach and did a great job there. He's been a coordinator. He's won a great cup as a coordinator as well in Toronto. And yes. the players in Toronto loved him when he was there. They were upset when he left. I think kind of – I do agree 
outside of the spotlight, I think he can shine. And I think he's the right guy at the right time with the right group of players to be a success in Toronto. You're a hundred percent correct. They absolutely said 2013, we don't care what we do. We're winning in 2013. And they did. And I honestly think no matter who was the head coach there, they would have won that. If they, if they get to the great cup at home, they were winning that game. They could have played an all-star team and been coached by a literal box of Cheerios and still won that great cup. <laughs> it's uh, I think outside of it, I, I think he's going to do a good job in Toronto. I just, I just do. Something just struck me. Um, the, the CFL is a very strange, not just sports league, but phenomenon in general. I mean, in what other walk of life do you, to escape media scrutiny, <laughs> go from Saskatchewan to Toronto? Yeah. <laughs> That's very strange. That's very strange. <laughs> yeah. Something that hit me there. Um, okay. Well, um, what else do you got, Joe? Because I'm ready to put a bow on it. What else yeah, you got for Josh? I hit the high points with the Manziel. We talked about the Grey Cup. Those were the big, <laughs> those were the big topics I had tonight. Okay, great, great. Uh, Josh, okay, we can find you at Three Down Nation, uh, Podski Wee Wee. We can get where everywhere good podcasts are found, I suppose. And where else can yeah. folks find you, read you, hear you, whatnot? Well, you mentioned Three Down Nation. Uh, you can find all the stuff right there. Mostly, I write about the tie cats, but I do sometimes spread my wings and uh, write about well. I write about the Ottawa Red Blacks so I can get yelled at by Red Blacks fans. It's kind of, <laughs> kind of a fun past. Oh, you're going to have uh, great like fun this year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, man, I've been waiting for five years for this team to tank. And I'm not, I'm not, you know what? I've learned my lesson. I am not going to doubt them because okay. they could very easily win 11 games next year and get back to the Grey Cup. And I wouldn't be surprised. But if this team starts like two and six, uh, I'm I'm gonna do a little gloating, Joe. Please, you can mute me if you must, but I think you find it entertaining sometimes to see the vitriol that I get. I enjoy it as well. I have fun with it. Twitter's not meant to be serious. Let's not take life so seriously. But <laughs> you can find my writing at Three Down Nation. You can find the podcast everywhere. We actually just got on Spotify, so if you get your podcast through there, you can find us on Spotify. Uh, I mean, and if you want to yell at me on social media, you can find the show at Podcast on Twitter at Potsquewee on Instagram, and my own personal Twitter account where I take most of the abuse is at Josh Smith underscore 82. So awesome. I don't know. Just if you want to call me names, uh, call me <laughs> names. I, I, I'm always in for a good laugh. Okay. All right. Great. Well, thanks for joining us again, Josh. Uh, your five-timer jacket is probably going to be in the mail soon. Uh, okay. So, so Joe, I guess people can find you on Twitter at Oliver Closeoff. Is that? <laughs> I thought that was the handle you were going to take for your fake name. <laughs> oh my God, I love that name. That's I can't believe I've never heard that. Is that a common joke? Did you just uh, make that? That was a straight rip from one of the Simpsons. Uh, okay. Oh names. right. Oh, it must be a bardism. Okay. Wow. I, I yes, don't believe I've exactly ever heard that. It so there's just the first one that came to mind when it came up. Oh, that was great. But anyway, okay, Joe, so where can folks find you? Uh, at USFL Tecmo, of course. The show can be found at RWB Podcast on Twitter. And that's about the extent of my social media these days. Yeah. Uh, all right. For – okay. I'll just close it off. For my – for my co-host, Joe Pritchard, and our guest slash co-host, Josh Smith of Podski Weeby, I'm Oz Davis. You have been listening to the Rouge, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. 
Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.